Whether it's work, travel, or sports, it's 100% of what you want to hear. It's 100% Jeff and Chris. What is going on, guys? It has been a long, long time before we've been able to actually sit down and do this in person. So, Chris, it's nice to see you, buddy. How you doing? Good, man. You know, thanks for having me. It's nice to get together again and talk a little football, talk some sports, talk everything we like to talk about. Right. So this this episode, we're going to focus on the NFL. Um, we're going to talk more AFC North because it's actually local for us. Um, so... The draft, we're going to talk about the draft, we're talk about rosters, talk about potential um, things that teams are going to see this year with everything going on with COVID-19, things like that. So let's just get started. Chris, let's talk about the draft first off. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the most, well, it, I have to admit, it was pretty cool, you know, seeing Goodell do the picks and stuff from the basement and just the interactions with the fans. I got to give the NFL an A-plus on that. I thought they did a fantastic job. There wasn't a lot of technical issues, so I enjoyed that part of it. But it was really surprising for me. I mean, some of the guys that went late, even some of the guys that went early, I mean, you know, right off the bat, I could talk about Jordan Love going to the Packers. I mean, great quarterback and everything, but, I mean, is that really the guy that the Packers see as being a successor to Aaron Rodgers? So a lot of question marks there in the first couple rounds. Absolutely. He was, I mean, Rodgers was sitting there going, okay, I've seen this story before because he was on the opposite end Absolutely, of this. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, many years before that. So, no, I was, I was very impressed with what the NFL did with the draft and, you know, putting the cameras in the guys' houses and things like that. It was kind of cool to see these families get together and, and be excited for their student-athletes. Yeah, and, you know, there was a lot of – I mean, there were some interesting outfits that these guys had on, too. I think one of the draft picks had a bathrobe on, so that was interesting. But um, a lot of respect, too, for the very first pick in the draft, Joe Burrow and his family. When the National Anthem was played, you know, they stood up just there in their house, stood up. You know, I had a lot of respect for him on that. And, uh, you know, yeah, you got to see a little bit more of a personal side there. You got to see the reactions from the players, from the fans. There was a lot of emotions, too. I mean, especially uh, the one that really stuck out the most was Ruiz uh, from Michigan when he got drafted, just everything that he went through. And I thought this year they went more in-depth with every pick. Not Usually, like, fourth, seventh, fourth through seventh round, you just see the guys pop up the bottom, like, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so college. But they, um, they went in-depth all seven rounds, I mean, even up to Mr. Irrelevant. Right. I mean, it was very, very entertaining, very, very different. I didn't know what to expect, but they handled it, handled it very, very extremely well. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I think some of these, the local teams, uh, I, I think all three of the ones that we're going to talk about here tonight had a great draft. There were some surprises there. There were some positions I felt that needed filled on all sides that they didn't fill. But yeah, I think, I think these teams had some spectacular drafts. But um yeah, I mean, because to compete, I mean, the Ravens are another one. You know, we're really not going to go in depth with the Ravens, but I'll tell you what, they had an incredible draft. I mean, they're they're going to be a powerhouse in the AFC North there. But let's let's start with your uh, Cleveland Browns, and I want to start with this first pick because you and I were actually texting a few picks before this, and I said, you know, I think you guys got to get that lineman out of Alabama, Jedrick Wills. Big spot that the Browns needed was on that offensive line, and they went out and got their guy from Bama. 
Yeah, he's he's gonna be one of those guys that is is gonna be one of those lunch pail guys that's gonna show up, you know, work hard every single day. He's gonna make the jump to left tackle. Um, they tried to give him Joe Thomas's number, and right away he said, "I don't want it." He said, "I respect Joe Thomas, and I want to do you know my own thing, and I don't want to be you know him," which is awesome coming from a young guy. So he's gonna try and make the the switch from the right side to the left side. So it's gonna be very interesting. Um, Joe Thomas said it's going to be extremely hard because of the fact that we're not going to have a regular offseason. Regular offseason, he's going to be able to make that transition very easily, very quickly. So with this offseason, we're going to have to see, you know, what he can do and how he can do it. And that coaching staff is going to help him out. What do you think getting a guy like him, a lot of people were on Baker Mayfield, you know, they weren't happy with his performance, but getting a guy that might be might give him a little extra time now in the pocket, even if he does want to scramble, he might be able to get that extra block. Do you feel it was more Baker Mayfield, or was it the fact that the offensive line just wasn't that good last year? I have to go with the offensive line wasn't very good. I mean, they we had a very, very good from center to, to guard, but as far as like tackle and, and on down, they couldn't hold their blocks. I mean, he couldn't get the ball out as quickly as he wanted to. And, you know, Chubb had a 1,000 yards last year, yes, but, I mean, he probably could have had more if, one, he'd have been ran more, and, two, we'd have had a better offensive line. That offensive line has always been a question mark, you know, without Joe Thomas. Do you, do you think, too, that um, the reason they didn't give the ball to him enough is because they knew the offensive line was kind of weak? I think it. they were buying into – last year's coaching staff bought into the fact of we have Landry – we have Odell, we need to become a passing team. They need to run to set up the pass. They were trying to pass to set up the run, and it was not working. They were finding themselves behind in games very extremely quickly, and they couldn't get back. And their running game was their strong point, and they just they couldn't get there because they were still trying to throw the ball to play catch-up. In the second round here, they go with a guy that I actually had going 23rd overall. But he falls to number 44 overall. Ends up with you guys. How does a Thorpe winner go in the second round? But I tell you what, other teams' losses is going to be the Browns' game because I actually had this kid in the first round. Grant Delpit, just a phenomenal career at LSU. And like I said, he has a Thorpe Award winner to go with it. Definitely. He's going to fit right in that defensive backfield with um, with guys that are young. But he's, he's definitely going to step in and, and try to mold with that defensive backfield and he's going to be right in with one of his LSU teammates so that's going to be great right off the bat for him and you're actually mentioning the third round pick uh, Jacob Phillips from LSU now Phillips he was another one that had a good season there must have been something they saw in the video there because I actually had him going in the later rounds I still had him going to you guys which was weird that they took him all the way up in the third so they apparently saw something with him How's the camaraderie going to be there? I mean, these are guys that played together for three years. Right. I, th- I think it's going to be good, and he's going to fit real nice into that defense with, with another young guy and, and Mac Wilson. Um, the defense is going to be extremely young, and they're going to have to rely on that, that offense to put points up. But, I mean, the, the defense is going to be young, but they're going to be hungry as well. Our linebacking core, you know, last year was, was stellar, but – it wasn't there because people were getting hurt and pieces weren't coming back. So you, you lose a guy like Christian Kirksey, who has been your, your leader, your voice for the past, you know, five, six years, you know, tremendous talent out of Iowa. 
and you know he he goes elsewhere because he he can't stay healthy and a lot of people were like oh man that that's bad you can't let him go me deep down yes cuz i absolutely loved him you know he was he was a vocal leader he just he led all the way but he getting hurt he's not you know giving dividends to the team joe Schobert's another one tremendous tremendous guy but my thing is in that defense you can put almost anybody in that position they're going to make tackles I hope he does great things in Jacksonville. He was a heck of a guy, um, somebody that didn't get a lot of credit for what he was doing. So we'll see what he does in a different defense. But I mean, you have to fill those holes very quickly, and they went defense and you know offensive line and then defense most of the way. I really, really like the way they drafted. Speaking of defense, um, their other third round pick, he was actually taken before Phillips. One of the best defenses in the SEC was Missouri. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the offense going this year, but they had one of the top defenses in all of college football. So you guys went out and get their star defensive lineman, Jordan Elliott. Another guy, I had him as an early early second round, late second round guy, but he falls to you guys in the third round. Yeah, that's somebody that's going to – he'll probably rotate in on that defensive line. Um, they're going to have to take back over, you know, Miles Garrett is going to have to come back in and, and take back over that defensive line and show, you know, he has that good attitude, you know, to do the things that he needs to do and let his emotions run, you know, healthy, not the way they, they ended in at the end of the Pittsburgh game. But he just needs to grab these young guys and just show them, you know, this is the way we need to play football. Now, I thought you guys had a lot of talent at the uh, tight end position, but you guys use your fourth round pick. You guys go out and get uh, Florida Atlantic's uh, Phillips, but um, you know, excuse me, Jacob, or excuse me, Harrison Bryant. Excuse me, I was thinking of the linebacker, but Harrison Bryant, the tight end out of Florida Atlantic. You know, Florida Atlantic, they're a team under Lane Kiffin last year. They started to pick up a little bit, um, but he is a huge target. Were you kind of surprised that you guys went tight end with the type of talent that you guys have? No, I was actually glad. A lot of people were hesitant about this pick but they're not thinking in depth of what's going on. New coach this year, new offense, you know, new offensive coordinator. We're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. If you only have, you know, two tight ends, one goes down, you're done. You know what I mean? So you're going to need to have those options. You know, we went out and signed Austin Hooper. Awesome pick. You know, the money they gave him, is he worth it? I don't know yet. You know what I mean? It's a big money contract. We'll find out. David Njoku is one of those guys that he's big. He's a big body. He'll go up and get the ball. Those three guys in a rotation is going to be extremely nice. And, you know, they're going to be able to block. With them drafting him, I think it's going to be good because they're going to use him more as a blocking tight end. And they went out and got a fullback in a trade. So it's going to be a lot of, you know, two tight end, fullback, running back sets. And, you know, I absolutely love that style of football. So that's one thing that I'm going to, you know, be excited about but no I think it was a smart pick to pick him and he fell way 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 far down than anybody thought he should have right now the thing is too I mean you have Njoku and Hooper they're actually deep ball tight end threats uh Njoku before he went down last year was having himself a phenomenal season but they were mainly known for that deep ball so like you said do you feel that they could still run that similar type of offense like send Hooper and them down do you feel that Bryant's going to be the type of guy that can stay in there and actually make some big blocks? Yeah, I feel like he's going to be more of a of a safety valve type tight end. You know what I mean? Those guys are going to be ones that you're looking down the field on a uh, on a post pattern or something like that. He's going to be somebody that's going to do a little five yard out and get you to the sticks and get you to the sideline 
and, you know, be a check down almost, you know, as, as a running back per se. Now, the one guys you, the one guy you guys did take in the fifth round, somebody I didn't really know much about. Um, I'm not sure if you guys, if you had the opportunity, Nick Harris center out of Washington. Um, you know, he had a great quarterback there last year. There was some good camaraderie there, but once again, he wasn't somebody that I really got to see. If you got to watch any video on him? I watched a little bit. Um, they said he's very versatile. They said he can play almost every um, offensive position on the line, which is fantastic because he doesn't have to be a center. We can move him around and move him different places. Um, it's always nice to have that you know key backup center because centers are very, very – they get hit every single play. So you know if a center goes down, you need to have somebody that's willing to step into that position and be able to play because that is one of the most important – positions on the field as center because it's that quarterback center exchange absolutely now this six pick man like as much you know like i said i'm penn state guy i don't really like michigan i absolutely love this kid he's only six foot tall he plays like he is six foot five that's donovan peoples jones he was the top target for shea patterson last year in michigan uh, yeah six round pick so if he doesn't pan out he doesn't pan out you still have a great receiving core but how the heck this kid fell to the sixth round, I don't know. But another great addition. Not the biggest body, but like I said, the kid plays like he's six foot five, even just being six foot one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Donovan Peoples Jones out of Michigan. He's gonna be somebody that's probably gonna see a lot of slot action, to be honest. Um I'm curious to see what he does. He has a lot of speed and he's plays you know, he's 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 able to get up and get the football at its highest point where he needs to get it. I'm I'm very curious of what he's gonna where he's gonna fit in this uh this receiving core because obviously, you know, you have Odell, you have Landry, they just signed Higgins to a one year deal to see, you know, what he can do. They're not giving up on him just yet. He had a, an okay year last year. Um the year before, him and Baker really mixed it up because those two were always together in practice, so it was, you know, who Baker was familiar with. And he really didn't get to see too much last year. So they're trying to give him another shot to be that third or fourth um, option for Baker. I, I think it was a good pick. I think you had to because, I mean, he was there. He was still, yeah, he's still there. So it was almost one of those, well, I guess we'll pull the trigger because he's still there. <laughs> right. And I mean, and that's why I said, I think by, you know, sixth, seventh round, you're looking for those guys that, yeah, they might not be a starter right away, but hey, if somebody goes down, you can bring them in. I mean, the Steelers, that was a big problem for them last year. Um, oh, another team that's escaping my mind right now, but there was a few teams that they had their top guy go down. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, who's next? So it's that next up mentality and stuff. And I, I, like I said, I think, like I said, even if he doesn't pan out, okay, he was a six-round pick, but I, he was there, you had to take him, and he, when I went to the Penn State game when they played Michigan, I mean, he, he probably had eight or nine catches. Not a lot of yak. That's that's his one downfall. You know, he doesn't have a lot of yards after contact, but he's the type of guy that he, he's going to get down the field, and if he's open, he's going to make the catch. He's somebody that I would like to see um, pan out in our special teams. We definitely need some help on the special teams type. Um, maybe he could, you know, go be a returner or something like that, possibly. I would like to see the special teams step up and be where they used to be mm -hmm. our special teams used to be phenomenal through the years but we're we don't have that dominant returner anymore and i would like to see somebody step up and, and be in that role and he might find himself in that role uh, he very well could i mean he has the speed and everything i mean it's not something he's really used to but 
you know, it's something that, you know, he could probably adjust to and we can see him down the road here. So why don't we uh, flip over now to your uh, rivals here, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. But obviously you're going to know a lot about them too, you know, being a rival. But they made a gamble last year, and I think this gamble paid completely off. Yeah, they traded a first-round pick, but they pick up a guy, Mika Fitzpatrick, who was a former first-round pick and somebody that had already proved himself in the NFL I almost think that was a genius trade right there. Oh, absolutely. And he paid off immediately for them. Um, he's somebody that I actually wanted Cleveland to draft. Mm-hmm. When he came out, I was I had him on all my boards that I wanted him to go to Cleveland. But he's somebody that just wasn't wasn't doing was a good player on a bad team in Miami. Um just couldn't, you know, couldn't get it going, couldn't do anything down there because he didn't have any help. Right. But, you know, he, he goes into Pittsburgh and he's got all this help. I mean I hate to say it, and this pains me to say it, but he's got the help of Joe Hayden, um, who has been in the defensive backfield for years, veteran of the game. I absolutely I respect Joe so much, was one of my favorite players when he was in Cleveland. Um, but those two now playing in the same backfield is just unbelievable. And they're able to go up and you know make quarterbacks pay for making bad throws. He's one of those guys that he's just waiting for them to, to throw a bad pass. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he had seven or eight interceptions last year, so he definitely stepped up big there for the Steelers giving up their first-round pick. But in the second round, this was a surprising pick to a lot of people, but the Steelers were really high up on this kid. Uh, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, he's a big-body receiver. Everybody pretty much knew the Steelers was going receiver, but this was not the guy that they thought, but he's a big body. The only problem with him is he is pretty injury prone. He's suffered some injuries there at Notre Dame. So still you have a speedy guy like Juju, like James Washington, somebody that I had the pleasure of watching play at Oklahoma state. But, um, so you have those little speedy guys, but now they're going to have that big end zone target to go for as well. Yeah. He was definitely somebody that I didn't expect them to, um, to draft, but I mean, they, They've got the the brains down there to you know to figure it out and and maybe they're gonna they're gonna get him going and you know he's gonna be a bigger target down the road, you know there's they've had a lot of guys that they draft and you forget about and then all of a sudden you know two three years they're a playmaker and you didn't even you forgot they were on that team mm-hmm. you know they they're a team that they develop guys and it's it's a really good system as much as it pains me to say it, <laughs> it's an extremely good system to watch. Now, their third-round pick, I, I was excited to see this. because, And the reason that that is is because it was a Charlotte 49er. Charlotte's only had FBS football now for four or five years, but they, they are starting to develop players. I mean, Charlotte had more guys go in this draft than some Big 12 schools did. Um, there were some Big 12 schools that had nobody go in the draft. So this kid comes out of Charlotte, Alex Highsmith. He's a bigger body linebacker. It was a position that they're looking to fill. I don't know if Highsmith is going to be the answer for them. But like you said, I think this is going to be a project for them. And they're going to try to develop him into an elite linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you look at Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree is one of those guys that he kind of he sat around. You know, you kind of forgot about him. And then all of a sudden, they moved him from one side to the other side. And he just turned into a, a straight monster. He's one of those guys that you definitely have to account for. 
you know, when you line up on the offensive line, you need to know where he's at at all times. I have a feeling that, you know, if he if he does pan out, he's going to be one of those type players that you forget about, and then two or three years later when he makes the tackle, you're going to be like, oh, that's who they drafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This next guy, their fourth-round pick, he was another one. Maryland had an absolutely god-awful year last year, and, I mean, it's showing, too, you know, they let their coach go. Um, they have a lot of guys in the transfer portal right now, but this guy was one of the bright spots. Anthony McFarland. Now, if he didn't have to split carries last year, I think this guy could have been a second, third rounder. Is he the future in Pittsburgh? I don't know. But here's the thing, folks. If you guys follow Steelers football at all, you know that they have flat out come out that they are not planning on resigning Juju Smith. They are not re- planning on resigning James Conner. So, is Anthony McFarland one of the futures for them? Now they got Benny Snell, they got Jalen Samuels, they go out and get McFarland here in the fourth round. So, are they thinking running back in the future, or are they going to continue to go with that three, four-headed monster? I think it's going to be a continuation of you know split carries, um, you know, and that's definitely something that he's he's used to because that's the mm-hmm. way he played in college. But I feel like that Steelers system. The way it runs, it doesn't matter who you put back there. Those running backs are going to do good behind that offensive line. Their offensive line has always been really, really extremely good. And it doesn't matter who you put back there. They're going to gain the yards and they're going to become, you know, a good back. A featured back, no. I I feel like if you take those backs out of that system and you send them somewhere else, I don't think they're going to do as good. But you keep them in Pittsburgh in that system of transition and moving around – I think they're going to do extremely good. And, you know, that's they've been having that success over the years with doing that. Their next pick, Kevin Dotson, Louisiana Lafayette. So coming out of a smaller FBS school, you look at their offensive line, all except for one guy, their offensive line did not come from Power 5 schools. I mean, heck, they have a guy, one of their starters is from Division Two Bloomsburg. So they're real high on this Dotson kid thinking – Okay, maybe he didn't play against the best competition, but if you watch his video, he was an absolute monster. I mean, he had to be averaging three or four pancakes a game. I mean, that's just how big this guy was. He was knocking people around. I don't necessarily like to look against the competition that they're playing. I like to see if they're dominant. This guy was dominant. I think a lot of people knew he was going to be in the NFL. Maybe that being at a smaller school did hurt him, but... I have a feeling that this guy's going to be a starter in the next couple of years on that Steelers line. Yeah, offensive line is is a different position. I mean, it's it, yes, you know, you like to look at that competition, but honestly, it's all in the footwork. It's all in how you move. It's all in you know, good technique. Are you practicing the good techniques? And from what I've seen, this kid has it. I mean, he's going to be one of those projects. I mean, they love their projects. Trust me. But um, they he's gonna be one of those that they're gonna shine up, and he's gonna be a part. You know, could be a starter down the road for them. Absolutely. This next guy, the next two picks, I, I really feel like these two guys are gonna be projects. Uh, Antoine Brooks Jr. from Maryland. Once again, Maryland was absolutely atrocious on defense last year, but this kid was one of their bright spots. And unfortunately, you were talking a little bit about it with the Browns, that they were looking for some special teams help. But I have a feeling this is what Antoine Brooks is going to be for the Steelers. Is going to be a little bit more of a special teams type guy. Um, could be a project for them. He's a bigger body. He's got a lot of speed. More likely, he's probably just going to see some time on special teams. 
I mean, honestly, that's where where you make your mark. And you honestly, with you going this late, you know, you know that's probably what's going to happen. That's how you make teams. You know, these guys that are that are in this second tier of you know not making the team or something. You need to make sure that you make an impact on special teams because that's how you're going to make ninety percent of these teams. I mean, you look at Terrell Davis; he was a special teamser. He made his biggest play on special teams, and that's how he got pole vaulted into the the starting running back position at Denver. I mean, it special teams are exactly that; they're special. You need to have guys that want to put everything out on the line to play these positions. Absolutely. And the next one, you know, really cool for the Davis family. This is Carlos Davis who the Steelers picked up, defensive tackle out of Nebraska. Him and his twin brother both getting drafted in the same draft. So that's pretty cool. They're, you know, Hopefully they'll get a chance to play against each other. And maybe just like the Watts, they'll all get to play together. But defensive tackle out of uh, Nebraska, once again, more than likely going to be a backup. He's just got a real big NFL build body, but he's really going to have to develop speed in his hands. Maybe even a question mark if he'll even make the team, but... Once again, at the seventh round, it could be a pretty decent project for him. Honestly, this seventh round picks can go either way. I mean, you can find the diamonds in the rough, or you can find just what it is. It's a seventh round pick. I mean, it's not very extremely risky. You get depth at that, you know, at those later rounds. Who knows? It's hard to say what the offseason is going to bring if these guys are going to get a full offseason. Obviously, they're not right. because they would already been, you know, in camp and doing things that they need to do. It's hard to say what these guys are going to develop like because they're going to have to learn fast, mm-hmm. extremely, extremely fast because it's going to come upon us very quickly. So let's switch over now. We'll just touch briefly here on the Cincinnati Bengals because they are they are a, a AFC rival, uh, but they are local. But we're going to kind of go down. We're going to start at the bottom here in the seventh round because we want to save a time a little little bit of time for their first round pick, Joe Burrow. But they go out. They really went defensive heavy here in the late rounds. They drafted three different linebackers in this draft. In the seventh round, they took Marcus Bailey from Purdue, which was another one that I was kind of surprised he fell as far as he did. But in the third round, they take Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, which a lot of people had him going in the second round. And then they had Akeem Davis-Gaither out of Appalachian State, which this kid was an absolute monster. And I got to see him play against Penn State. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe how good this kid was, but... Three different linebackers that could all potentially, maybe not this year, but be pretty prominent starters down the road for the Bengals. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's, you know, they are – these guys, you know, they're thinking, oh, okay, it's it's the Bengals. They're not giving them a fair shot. Right. I understand, you know, it, with me, they're the Battle of Ohio and everything else. But that is not a bad team to go to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's really not. I mean, past years people would have been like, oh, that's that's the team that's picking first. You know, this is going to suck because they're terrible. They're really not. They just didn't have a good year. You know, they're finally going to get, you know, some different coaching staff. And I, I hope they turn it around mm-hmm. because that is one of – besides Cleveland and Pittsburgh, Cincinnati and Cleveland is one of the best rivals because it's in that in-state rivalry and it goes way back further than that with, you know, Paul Brown and everything – with that, with the name and, you know, coaching and all that stuff. But I feel like that's going to be, hopefully, those two teams, you know, get themselves up. And this could be one of the best um, divisions in football. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the draft helps both or all four teams out. 
And they also had some great picks at five and six. Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame, I think the only reason that he fell to the fifth round was because he had some injury problems too. Like I said, it was just kind of a constant, um, you know, just round table there. I mean, just a carousel going on with injuries there at Notre Dame. But he is a huge body at six foot four. He's got a lot of power. He's made some big tackles. He's played in some big games. He's somebody, I, I can pretty much say he's not going to start this year, but he will be a starter down the road here. Yeah, the biggest thing, you know, to talk about is a lot of these guys that we've talked about, you know, they fell from where they should have been or why are they getting, because these guys didn't have a chance to have a pro day. You know right, what I mean? Right. So a lot of these guys that were injured, you know, a lot of the coaches were like, I don't know, let's, you know, let's wait it out and see because they haven't seen what they could do now, you know what I mean? So with with having that pro day before guys were able to show what they could show, they don't know. I mean, it was almost walking into the unknown. And they get another guy out of the Big 12, Hakeem Adenji, out of Kansas. Once again, I mean, Kansas has been the whipping boys of the Big 12, but still, these guys have played big-time competition. Kansas actually had, I think, the third most picks in the Big 12 this year. So, I mean, even though they were a bottom feeder team, they, they're seeing a lot of guys going to the NFL this year. So another big body that could potentially block for their first-round pick in Joe Burrow. Yeah, they, they definitely picked where they needed to. Um, offensive line was definitely something they needed to help out. Honestly, everybody can, you know, get better at the offensive line position because you want to protect those million-dollar investments, you know, your quarterbacks, your running backs, and your wide receivers. Speaking of wide receivers, so let, let's get let's get to the second round pick here first. T. Higgins, how in how did he drop? I mean, okay, he was the very first pick of the second round, but how did this guy drop all the way to the second round? I mean, this guy had first round ability. He's played for a team like Clemson. Yes, he's been blessed with quarterbacks there, Trevor Lawrence especially. He's played in national championship games. He's played in big games, but. What a phenomenal pick and what a phenomenal weapon he's going to be to go with guys like Tyler Boyd and uh, A.J. Green in Cincinnati. Well, and, and John Ross as well. I mean, those, John, guys, yeah. those guys, it's going to be a track meet. I mean, those guys have so much speed that Burrow's just going to throw the ball up and it's going to be a lot of, you know, that yak yards, you know, yards after catch. It's going to be a lot of that going on down there. If they can get a, a proper offense to suit those guys, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Do you think that it was just like you said with the Browns, um, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, did the Bengals say, hey, T. Higgins is there, we got to take him? Because like I said, receiver wasn't necessarily where they needed, maybe, to spend a second-round pick on. I don't know. But he's there. He had a first-round draft grade. I mean, wh what are your thoughts on that? I think it was, you know, there was nobody else there that they needed to get at that time. And if he's sitting there, you might as well take it. I mean, you already took your first round in Joe Burrow. Why not give him another shiny toy to play with? I mean, speaking of Joe Burrow, I mean, how cool is that for him? Ohio native right there in Athens. Not horribly far from Cincinnati. I mean, not close either. But... Athens, to Ohio State, to LSU, and now back up to Cincinnati. This kid was a backup. A backup QB, folks. He got beat out. That means somebody beat this kid out. 
and then he goes down to LSU, has an okay junior season, and then just like a bat out of hell his senior year. Everything was motivating him. But just to make that big of a jump, I mean, he set records. He's won all the awards. There was no doubt that he was going first overall. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I sat and watched the Heisman Trophy presentation, and I just sat here knowing he's going to win it. There's no way. There's nobody else that had a season like he had. Mm. Countless people have gone on record saying he had the best season in college football history ever as a quarterback, and I believe that. I mean, absolutely. he – I watched him early in the season play Texas, and it was unbelievable. I mean, he just – his attitude, he has the right attitude – Yes, he's cocky, but he's confident. Mm-hmm. He's not extremely over the top. He likes to have fun. I think that's going to fit right in with with Cincinnati. And he's going to get banged up you know, early because, let's face it, he is playing in the AFC North. Mm-hmm. They call it the black and blue division for a reason. You know, you, you may get a win out of these – you know, you may win over these teams in the AFC North, but – you're not going to go unscathed. Like, they're going to beat you up. <laughs> Do you think that is Burrow the answer to get them from a 1-15 in season to a winning record? What do you see What do you see for the Bengals this year? I mean, not just with Joe Burrow, but, you know, T. Higgins and the guys that they have added. Do you think they can get over the 500 mark this year? Like you said, there's going to be some growing pains. That's why they're not going to go from 1-15 to 15-1. and one. But can they get him – do you think Burrow in his rookie season can get them over the hump? I don't know. I mean, it's – it's you know, he's a rookie, obviously, and it's going to be a lot of – to figure out. But he's done it before. I mean, he – you know, coming from a transfer, and I think he's going to have at least one or two seasons, maybe a season and a half to try to turn it around. Um, I see them picking up probably maybe six, seven wins – and I'm sorry, but if you can go, you know, and everybody's going to get mad if he does that. Right. But from a good standpoint, going from one win to six or seven, that's a huge turnaround. You can't expect them to pick it up overnight and completely flip it around and be a contender right off the bat. It's going to be a project, and they're going to have to learn that. Honestly, I think they're going to understand that in Cincinnati, but there's a lot of people that are like, hey, we've been waiting a while. Let's go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's <laughs> trust me. I, I see it in Cleveland all the time. We have the same problem, but you you just need to be patient. Honestly, I do think he is the future in Cincinnati. I think he's going to be there for a long time, and he's got young pieces with him that are going to be there, you know, the entire time that he's there. So I, I feel like it's going to be you know a nice marriage for them. Staying on the uh, topic here of the NFL draft, we saw a local guy go, which is really really cool, Colton McKivitz out of WVU, goes in the fourth round to, um, or, yeah, fourth round, right? Yeah, to San Francisco. This is a guy, too, that I think he had a second, third round grade, but once again, somebody that wasn't able to travel, wasn't, you know, they didn't really get a big look at him. He's going to have a chance to compete for a starting spot there in San Francisco, but this is a kid right across the river here, Union Local High School, didn't even play football till his sophomore year. But just, it's awesome to be able to see somebody from the Valley here and just show the talent level that they have here in the Ohio Valley. That just shows you the work ethic, you know, that he put in to to learn his position. You know, some of these guys have been playing since they were three or four years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he picks it up as a sophomore and figures it out. That's just, that's amazing to me. And that's, that's extremely awesome. I hope he fits in, you know, with the Shanahan offense out there. I, 
I hope he does great things. You know, that is a team on the rise. You know, Shanahan and, and John Lynch, they know what they're doing out there, and it's I'm really excited to see what they do, you know, further on. Like I said, you know, he could be that fourth-round guy that could potentially uh, get that starting position. We don't know, but I, I – I don't see him as a project, and that's not me being biased either for a local kid. I mean, I see him learning for a year and then potentially the next year being able to have a starting position. He had some growing pains at WVU as well. I mean, but you got to think, I mean, this kid was a three-year starter, and he saw significant playing time as a freshman as well. Did get a few starts as a freshman, so he's played a lot of football every single year too. He grew, not only mentally, but physically. I mean, he when he got down there, I think he was only 270. He bulks up to about 320 now. I mean, that's a prototypical offensive lineman in the NFL. So I see a lot of growing in him. He's matured every single year, and it, it's exciting to see. And it's not like Union Local is that large of a school either. So, you know, being able to see somebody come from small-town Ohio, I mean, Jacobsburg, Ohio, small-town Ohio, and be able to make it on the big stage – and I'll tell you what, there's something brewing here in the Valley with San Francisco because don't forget, they also took Nate Davis. And I do apologize. Actually, I think back, it was in the fifth round because Nate Davis also got taken in the fifth round as well. So I apologize. It was the fifth round for McKivitz. But nonetheless, he's wearing the uniform of the San Francisco 49ers. I, I really think he's going to fit in very well because his, his ability to pass block is just unreal. And they're going to need somebody out there to protect you know Jimmy G out there. I, I feel like... You know, he's going to fit in and he's going to learn how to run block better because, I mean, let's face it, WVU, they didn't do a lot of running. They did more passing than, you know, the years that he was there. Um, but I feel like he's going to be one that they'll plug in. He'll plug in, plug out this season, but next season he'll really make a turnaround and, and be a, a starter, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, we only, we only got a few more minutes here, so let's touch on this too. One of the major rule changes this year in the NFL, if you want to call it that, I mean, there's going to be an extra two extra playoff teams this year. You and I were talking off air here, so go ahead and let the folks know that a potential scenario that could happen with this new rule with 14 teams now in the playoffs. Right. I mean, you could see teams that you know have nine wins, have you know a lot of eight and eight teams. You could see a lot of teams. You know, it's happened, but not a lot. You know, three teams from one division jumping in there you're gonna see it there might even be a time that you know a division is good enough to where they throw four teams in there because they have a better record and they you know they break into that new playoff format honestly I'd hate to say it but I'm, I'm gonna be extremely biased here but you know three years down the road you may see the entire AFC North oh, in the playoffs hands down you know what I mean I mean who knows where Pittsburgh is going to go with Big Ben? Who knows? I mean, they might find a quarterback within, you know, in the, in the next couple of years. But you think about it. Just with Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, the quarterbacks that you have there right now, you have Baker Mayfield, you have, you know, Jackson, you have, you know, Burrow. I feel like years to come, that's going to be your stars. And with them expanding the playoffs, I think it's going to be, you're going to see that scenario where three or four teams are going to hop in there from the same division. And I said that by the AFC North, I think the Ravens have one of the best drafts this year with all the young potential they have. And they were already a young team. I think they are potentially the front runners to win the AFC North this year. I, I just think that they just have all that talent. They're going back to that dominant defense. And like I said, they're young. If mm -hmm. they can keep all these guys together, you know, they're going to be a force for a very long time. 
You have the Bengals are developing. You have the Browns are developing. And like I said, I don't have an NFL team dog in the fight here, but I almost feel like the Steelers are trending the wrong way right now. So it's going to be tough. I mean, they, they pulled some wins out last year and almost squeaked in. But I that AFC North, like you said, Jeff, arguably could be one of the toughest divisions in the NFL this year. Cowboys, they were another team in the NFC. They reloaded a little bit. That division's going to be pretty tight. You know, it's hard to tell. Can Tua Tagovailoa, can he turn around the Dolphins? I mean, there's a lot of question marks right now, especially not even knowing if we're going to have a preseason or not. But like you said, these teams can squeak in. Now, can you see any potential upsets, like maybe a 7 over a 2 or however that's going to work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it could happen. I mean, it's happened before. You have, you know, especially, excuse me, when you get into – the later rounds, you know, and the first seeds come off of the buys and then they just get blown out because they were in the bye week, you know, so it, it's going to happen. I mean, anybody could win at any time. I feel like we're going to see, you know, not only this year, but on forward, a lot of changing. I feel like we're going to go back to a little bit of that old school feel because, I mean, you have San Francisco who ran the ball a lot, ran two tight ends, ran those formations, you know, made it to the Super Bowl. You have the Ravens who broke a rushing record as a team this year, an NFL rushing record, because that's what they did. They lined up and they mm-hmm. ran the football. Mm-hmm. They had a mobile quarterback, and, you know, Ingram just ran it down people's throats. And I feel like that's the style they're going to. It's a little bit of old, a little bit of new, you know, some screens here and there. But I feel like mobile quarterbacks and running a fullback and a, and a running back – is going to be where it comes back because there's a lot of teams in free agency that went out, signed fullbacks, or you know traded for fullbacks. So you're going to see a lot of that come back into football. Thank God. And I mean, they ran four different running backs. I mean, you mentioned Ingram, but then they had Gus Edwards, who was their goal line bruiser. They had Justice Hill, who was the speedster on the team, played a little bit of special teams as well. So they, I think they had every single aspect. You had your goal line specialist. You had Ingram, who was your workhorse. You had Justice Hill if you needed a speedster out there, and he was the one, like you mentioned, that went out a lot more for the screens. They've never really spent a lot of money on receivers. They kind of get some bigger receivers that can get out there and block for these guys. They use two or three tight ends. I was kind of surprised they got rid of Hayden Hurst, but, of course, he's had some injury problems too. But, you know, like I said, Baltimore, they had a fantastic draft. They had some young guys, and I, that's the team that I think is going to be really powerful this year. Well, and then they add another running back in the backfield in J.K. Dobbins. I mean, oh, I forgot. I forgot they drafted. <laughs> I Dobbins. mean, that's yeah. You know, he's gonna Ingram is is getting older. He's getting up there in age, right. and I feel like you know, Dobbins is going to be the next one to step in and, and be that role. He's going to be your home run hitter. He's going to be the one that's going to come in there and gash off thirty, forty yard runs. You know, like he did at Ohio State. I'm I'm excited to see him. Unfortunately, we have to play him two times a year, but yeah. I'm I'm excited to to see those guys play. I really like their offense. I really like the way they play. And you know, as much as I didn't like Lamar Jackson before, because you know the way he came out, I just I didn't like it. I didn't. I understand that everybody's like, well, you know, you're not a quarterback. Yes, he came out and proved it, but I felt like he did that in the wrong way. But that's right. <laughs> that's just me. But, you know, he comes out and has the MVP season last year. I feel like he put that Baltimore team on his back. I'm really anxious to see what he does in, you know, in his third year at being with the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, then, you know, it's just, 
Uh, you you look at those scrambling quarterbacks. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is another one. You know, he's a dual threat QB. You really didn't see that in the NFL. He's another one. He had to wait his turn at Texas Tech. It was actually against Oklahoma State. Davis Webb went down with an injury, and that's when they brought in Patrick Mahomes, and he led the Red Raiders to the victory. And he took over the starting role and never looked back from there. I mean, Davis Webb transfers to Cal. He still gets drafted in the seventh round by New England, so good for him. But Mahomes, his backup, is now a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, it's it's crazy to to think about. You know, you have these quarterbacks like Brady. Obviously, he went to Tampa. But you have Brady. You have Breeze. You know, you have these guys that, that are older and you have these younger guys that are coming up. So you're almost going to have, you know, young versus old. And it's going to be very exciting to see because, you know, a lot of these teams are going to play each other. And it's going to be really, really fun to see, you know, the old school versus the new school type thing. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, because even New England, or excuse me, New Orleans, they were um, with Taysom Hill. They are kind of experimenting with him a little bit. Well, then they go out and draft Tommy Stevens, former Penn State signal caller, transferred down to Mississippi State. The dude can barely even throw the football, but he's a scrambling-type quarterback, so it gives them a different aspect as well down there with the Saints. Yeah, they're, they're doing a lot of different things but down there. Sean Payton is just a mastermind when it comes to running offenses. Yeah, and, and another one, you know, I have to mention because I love the FCS, um, Ben DiNucci out of James Madison. This is a kid that he started his career at Pitt, lost the starting job, goes to James Madison – leads them to a runner-up finish, and then he goes down in the seventh round to Dallas. I don't see him pushing Dak for a starting role, but this is a kid that might have a shot at potentially being a starting quarterback in the NFL coming from the FCS ranks. I mean, one play will do it. As soon as somebody goes down, you have one shot to prove what you have. I mean, that's all it's going to take. It's that next man um, up mentality. Absolutely. And then, I mean, even New England, Belichick, the mastermind that he is, uses his second-round pick on Kyle Duggar. Do you, do you guys know that name? Hello? Anybody know? Yeah, I mean, the kid played at Lenore Ryan, double-A school, but he was an absolute monster, and Belichick said, hey, prove yourself, man. I'm taking you in the second round. Let's do it. Was it him or was it his dog? Yeah, there was that's a the lot of question. the dog's picks, you know. Yeah. Every time they went in, the dog was sitting in the chair. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, maybe the dog picked him. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, Kyle Duggar, Division Two. There was a kid taken even in Division from Division III, uh, St. Joe's, um, which, you know, of course, was a powerhouse in Division Three. But it's cool to see some of these uh, smaller schools getting some love, too. I mean, even some of the guys that you look at in the NFL now, David Johnson, had an MVP type season. He's from Northern Iowa, so it's it's good to see these FCS and smaller schools getting some picks in there. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things that you know we've harped on it in other conversations. You don't have to go to big schools; Absolutely. they will they will find you if you play to the caliber that you need to play. They will find you. They have scouts that specialize in doing this because they've got burnt over the years of hey. Eh, he doesn't come from a big school. We don't want him, you know. And then on down the road, he comes in and beat you and you're like oh i guess i should have probably took and taken a look at him so but i mean it's definitely i'm so glad that they're starting to look at these division you know division two and division three guys um they they have the talent they just you know one way or another didn't get the big offers from high school or you know something happened to where they had to jump back down a division or something mm-hmm. of that nature i mean that's like you know even coming from division two myself 
Uh, Trevor Harris is always a big name that I tell people about. He played at Division II Edinburgh, had a fantastic career, was on the practice squad with the Jaguars, and then he goes up to the CFL and he's been a champion up there. So you can find these prototypical type guys. I have a feeling if football is being able to play here in the summer, you're going to see, or excuse me, in the fall, you're going to see some NFL scouts just right up the hill here at West Liberty because they have Jack Allison now who played, he started his career at Miami, didn't pan out there, did okay at WVU, but you know, he wants to be the guy. So he transferred to West Liberty to be the guy. He, there could be some potential there that maybe a scout or two might give him a look as well. Absolutely. And he's one of, like you said, one of those guys that has been around for a little bit. I'm actually excited to see. I hope, you know, we get a chance to go up and watch him. I wouldn't mind catching some, some college ball this year around here. We've got some decent colleges, you know, mm-hmm. not too far from us that we can take the trip and, you know, go see um, at the college level. So I'm really excited to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. I mean, Notre Dame, Ohio, they had quite a few guys. They didn't get anybody drafted this year, but they actually had a guy go in the draft last year. They have a running back that's going to be a junior this year. I have a feeling some NFL teams, he may not get drafted, but he's going to at least get a free agent uh, signing. But uh, Notre Dame of Ohio, they were one of the top teams in the MEC this year. They had three guys get free agent contracts. So, I mean, you know, you're you're starting to see it trickle down a little more into the D2 ranks. That's unbelievable. That's awesome. So, guys, that's been our, our take, you know, on this episode of, of the draft. And, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun talking about the AFC North, um, talking about local teams and things and where we think teams are going um chris it was fun to finally sit down and break down something you know hopefully we get some sports to talk about here soon because it's getting awful boring tired of watching reruns and i'm tired yeah not not seeing anything um i actually sat down last night and watched the the wwe pay-per-view and it was just it wasn't the same there was no fans no anything and it just it wasn't it lacked the excitement that i'm used to seeing yeah absolutely but like we say, guys, you know, anything you want us to talk about, just give us a little shout there. Like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, Twitter, all that. Just make sure that, um, you know, we, we want to hear from you and we want to talk about what you guys want to hear. Right, guys. So as always, this has been 100% Jeff and Chris is 100% what you want to hear. See you next time.